0: Hello, this is Peter Bergman, and welcome to Radio Friaz's Everything You Know is Wrong for Thursday, November 17th, 2011. And this is Habeas Corporation, Part 1. As I speak, Occupy Wall Street is struggling with Mayor Doomberg's men, and I suppose a few women in blue, to keep their Manhattan beachhead in Zakati Park. Like all befogged power brokers of the old school, Dishonor thinks that by striking their tents and emptying their backpacks and unhooking their electricity that OSW will just fade away. As if Zakati Park is some kind of squat where aimless youth and discontented fringes go to smoke a doobie and blow off steam. They couldn't be more wrong. Yes, as I speak, Time Magazine Online is live streaming from Zakati Park. Yes, the whole world is clicking and watching, and the movement continues to spread. I've been attracted to them from the get-go, mainly because of their sense of humor and leaderless way of life. But it wasn't until just an hour or so ago that I figured out the role that OSW is going to play in the remaking of America and eventually the remaking of the world. Occupy Wall Street is doing nothing less than taking on the corporate state, the America that is being ground down and used up by corporate power, corporate greed, corporate criminality, corporate ignorance, and corporate disdain for people and the planet. Let me step back and take a quick look at the rise of the American corporate state over the last hundred years. When America entered the 20th century, there were large corporations already in existence, but they were few and far between, clustered in railroads and utilities, and they were fronted by the robber barons and monopoly magnets. They had a human face. Agriculture wasn't corporate. Pharmaceuticals were the purview of carnival barkers and the likes of Carter's Little Liver Pills. Banks were for the large part small and local and there was no military to make up half of the military-industrial complex. We suited up for World War I near the end of that first 20th century Armageddon and in its wake the corporations grew at a regular pace. It was the madness of margin on Wall Street that slowed their headlong advance. In the thirties, they faced a shattered marketplace and an unfriendly administration headed by an aristocrat who looked down his long cigarette holder at them. Then came World War II and everything changed. If I were to choose a date for the birth of the American corporate state, I would circle December 7th, 1941 on the calendar. The whole country was mobilized on a scale the likes of which the world has never seen. It was said that World War II was one with British brains, Russian blood, and American money. Money, yes, we put billions of dollars into the war effort, but that money went to build production lines, huge factories, gigantic orders for material that only large, heavily capitalized corporations could create and manage. When World War II ended, the soldiers came back to an economy that was ready to win World War II. That being done, we turned our massive industrial output to rule the world and satisfy the American consumer in ways he and she couldn't imagine. TV happened, but it was black and white, featuring blue-collar workers, Life of Riley, The Honeymooners, bus drivers, and sewer workers were our domestic heroes. And it was still a time when the boss worked in an office next to the production line. We were making widgets, all kinds of widgets. Then came color TV in millions of homes, and the blue-collars turned white. Goodbye, Ralph Cramden. Hello, Father Knows Best and Ozzie and Harriet. No visible means of support in those families. The boss moved his office from the factory into one of those nondescript, neo-modern, tall glass buildings. And all of a sudden, the logos appeared. Corporate logos, like the escutcheons of fiefdoms. All the jobs were cradle to grave. And big was beautiful. Big cars big bombers, really big corporations. We went from making widgets to marketing other people's widgets, and then we discovered the joy of making money by moving money around, robbing a whole bunch of Peters to pay a small group of Pauls. And here we are today, the victims of our own contradictions. 50 years ago, Anybody with a slide rule and half a brain could have told us that the American lifestyle was not sustainable, but we were too busy, swoosh, just doing it. And then we woke up and discovered that they were doing it to us. Enter Occupy Wall Street with a new promise, carried by one of their protesters in the anonymous hacker's mask. It read, the beginning is near. Thanks to Flexerol, that 60-year-old arthritic man can pump fake Kobe and float in for a slam dunk. Thanks to Semperstiff, that impotent silver-haired couple are skipping down the beach in post-coedal ecstasy. Thanks to Plaque Attack, that African-American senior is off his cholesterol-free diet and back to the sizzler. And thanks to Pinot Ciel, that incontinent 70-something threw away her Depends and became a champion line dancer. Thanks to all of them and thanks to us, you bought the pharmaceuticals. You Bought the Pharmaceuticals is a plausibly deniable division of U.S. Plus. Earlier on Everything You Know Is Wrong, we told the story about the journalist who went to the Jirga in Pakistan with all of the Afghan uh, villagers and the 16-year-old boy who was there who was so fresh and and ready to help and who was killed by a drone with his sister driving in a in a car in afghanistan just part of the collateral damage mr president well you know what drones kill american troops too on the evening of april 5th the pilot settled into a leather captain's chair at creech air force base in southern nevada and took the controls of a predator drone flying over one of the most violent areas of southwestern afghanistan Minutes later, his radio crackled. A firefight had broken out. Taliban insurgents had ambushed about two dozen Marines patrolling a bitterly contested road. The Air Force captain angled his joystick and the drone veered toward the fighting taking place half a world away, where it was already morning. He powered up two Hellfire missiles under its wings and ordered a crew member responsible for operating the drone's cameras to search for enemy fighters. Didn't take long to find something, three figures, fuzzy blobs. Now we're looking at fuzzy blobs on the pilot's small black and white screen lay in a poppy field a couple of hundred yards from the road. Well, if they're only fuzzy blobs, how could they tell they were lying in a poppy field where the poppies smaller fuzzy blobs? Anyway, hey now wait, stand by on these, the pilot cautioned. They could be animals in the field. You know, we don't mind killing insurgents, but we don't want to kill animals. Seconds later, tiny white flashes appeared by the figures, the heat signatures of gunfire. There they are, he said, now sure he was looking at the enemy. Could have been animal farts, who knows. At an Air Force National Guard base in Terre Haute, Indiana, an intelligence analyst whose job it was to monitor the video to help prevent mistakes on the mission also observed the muzzle flashes, but noticed they were firing away from the abattled Marines. Oh, marines at patrol base Alcatraz, 12 miles from the firefight. That's nice, you're in Afghanistan and you call your base Alcatraz. They watched their screens too, as they kept in contact with both the drone crew and the platoon members who had set out from the base just an hour earlier. It would be their decision whether to call in a missile strike. 31 seconds after the pilot reported muzzle flashes, the marines at Alcatraz ordered that the Predator be prepared to strike if the shooters could be confirmed as hostile. At 8.49, 29 minutes after the ambush began, they authorized the pilot to fire. In two minutes, two Americans were dead. The decision to fire a missile from one of the growing fleet of U.S. unmanned aircraft is the result of the work of ground commanders, pilots, and analysts at far-flung military installations who analyze video and data feeds and communicate by a system of voice and text messages. In addition to the platoon taking fire that morning in Helmand Province's upper Sangin Valley, the mission involved Marine Corps and Air Force personnel at four locations. Marines of the 2nd Reconnaissance Battalion at Alcatraz, the drone crew in Nevada, the analyst in Indiana, and a mission intelligence officer at March Air Reserve Base in California. Senior officers say drone technology has vastly improved their ability to tell friend from foe in the confusion of battle. Oh, yeah. But the video can also prompt commanders to make decisions before they fully understand what they're seeing. Fighting at a distance, confusion and cowards. In February 2009, a crew operating a drone over Afghanistan misidentified a civilian convoy as an enemy force. They're all Land Rovers, suckers. The Predator pilot and the Army captain who called in the airstrike disregarded warnings from Air Force analysts who had observed children in the convoy. At least 15 people were killed. These are war crimes. And the drones, Mr. President. Adding layers of personnel like the analyst in Indiana to cut down on errors also comes at a price. It may slow down the decision to strike when American lives are at risk. It's a muddle. It's a disaster. The empire is not a dream, it's a nightmare. Bring the boys home, but first bring the drones home. huh? All you gotta do is use a joystick and here they come. Turn them around, 180, out of the war. And then the boys, 180, turn them around and bring them back home. This podcast may produce side effects including but not limited to explosive diarrhea, migraine headaches, a sudden urge to pee, a lack of interest in the fact that you just peed yourself, the conditions known simply as sausage fingers and or small feet, nausea, uncontrollable rage, a solid disdain for posters with kittens on them, erectile dysfunction followed by erectile overfunctioning, bloating, cotton mouth, triscodecophobia, jock itch, and mild jaundice. If you experience any of these symptoms for more than four hours, please consult a physician and trust us when we say that we are not legally experienced or obligated to give you this warning. Please read instructions before using or selling this product around small children as it could affect their grade point average. Our lawyers tell us that we are not aware of any evidence supporting the effectiveness of the information used in the integration of any actual marketing campaign in existence please do not use in the shower or while sleeping and remember that chin pads cannot protect any part of the body that they do not cover this product is for indoor or outdoor use only and is void where prohibited this podcast is shown here actual size and your mileage may be-